Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, we've got a fun episode in store for you. We just spent like an episode length kind of determining the order and content of this one. Yeah, and, like what stuff we wanted to talk about, what stuff we didn't want to talk about or save for other episodes, things like that. Yeah, we uh, were recording a day earlier than usual, and I think we both were worried we wouldn't have enough. So we did the opposite. And now we have too much. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy another buffet on us. Uh, we're going to open with like a few games and also talk a little bit about the Dragon Quest event, which you watched. I heard through you and I'd love to talk about because I know what was announced, but I did not watch the event itself. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, the Dragon Quest event was so wild. Yeah. Um, so weirdly, I don't know what happened this week, but like it was a little mini E3 essentially. Just yeah. like everyone announced a bunch of shit. There was like this Dragon Quest event. There was like the Horizon of Forbidden West, I think is the name of that game. Uh, they had an event where they like showed off a bunch of gameplay and I stuff. I just felt AJ like curl in pain as you're like, the Horizon, what? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. It's it's also coming out for PS4. It's like a, it's like a PS4 and mind. PS5 game. Yeah, wild. I'm like happy about it because three people have a PS5, including you. But like, <laughs> you know, I uh, I just assumed that was going to be like the PS5 yeah. seller, you know, but whatever. Yeah, really, really confusing. Um, But the Dragon Quest event happened on my birthday late at night. It was like literally like I had a full day of stuff to do. And then when I when I was done with everything, like I was like, I'm going to settle down in bed and I'm going to watch the Dragon Quest event. It's going to yes. be the last thing I do on my birthday. I was so excited about it because uh, it was the first time ever that they like simulcast it across the world because they do Dragon Quest events apparently all the time in Japan. But, you know, because most of the announcements aren't like US related or, you know, outside of Japan related, they just like don't simulcast them everywhere. They also specifically didn't do the thing that like Nintendo does, for example, where you can watch different versions of the stream depending on what country you're in. So you're getting different announcements depending on what's actually like relevant to you. You know, like the Nintendo Direct will have like an extra game in Japan and an extra game in the US and things like that. So this was like specifically a worldwide event, which was like, okay, there's going to be some like really big shit in here. Even just to like add on to that level of hype, there was a half an hour of only Japanese announcements before the simulcast began. So like they had the stream going for 30 minutes of just announcements that were happening in Japan. And then 30 minutes into the event, they started the simulcast for the rest of the world, which is like, okay, there's going to be something really cool in here. Everything they're going to talk about is going to be like worldwide. It's going to be sick. So immediately, (laughs) immediately the simulcast begins and it's like a talk show format where there's like a host sitting at a desk, beautiful set. He comes out onto the set and sets the clock. There's like a big grandfather clock and he sets the clock to 12 and immediately, you know, it's just like chat goes nuts. You know, chat chat loses its mind. It's like, oh my God, Dragon Quest 12 is going to happen. Amazing. Then this host brings out Yuji Hori, you know, father of Dragon Quest, essentially. Uh, Yuji Hori sits down and the two of them are talking back and forth and they only have one translator for the whole event i feel so bad for her had to translate two people talking over each other at the same time and was like really trying her best and it did not go great like please please get two translators please give her like i don't know a script or something like yeah or or like pre-record the event it didn't need to be live really so immediately weird vibe but then they're like (laughs) we're announcing six titles today we're announcing six games which immediately was cool because like dragon quest 12 is definitely one of them but what are the other five we don't really know there's been a lot of rumors like okay stuff coming to game pass like are they going to remake some stuff the big the big rumor going in was that dragon quest 9 which was like a ds exclusive like a nintendo ds exclusive now sells for like 200 dollars if you wanted to buy a copy of it like that's the only 
one that's not available really anywhere else. One through eight are available pretty much everywhere and on mobile and on, you know, one through three are on Switch. Ten is, you know, the MMO that's only available in Japan. Everybody was hoping maybe that would come to the West or like maybe get released on Game Pass or something like that. And then 11, obviously, you know, the new one, it's everywhere. So that, those were the rumors going in. What ended up happening was the first thing they announced was Dragon Quest X, a big update for Dragon Quest X. And starting that with this worldwide stream was like, oh my God, is this going to be it? After years, this game came out on the Wii, Dragon Quest X. Everybody was like, <laughs> are they actually going to finally localize Dragon Quest X? Are they yeah. going to release this everywhere? And they get through all these announcements. They announce all this stuff, like all these huge updates. And then at the end, they didn't even say it out loud the the guy who is like the the lead designer of dragon quest 10 is just like talking about how exciting the announcements are how it's like free to start and you can get it anywhere it's like available in all these places and in the top left corner it says there are no plans to release dragon quest 10 worldwide and that was the <sighs> first announcement of the night of the like, worldwide part yeah yeah was just like we are not localizing this it's not happening so i'm reading that as it's just never gonna happen not to be pessimistic but it's I feel never like gonna it, happen yeah yeah, yeah that's that's, that's a bummer. Immediately gut punch, right? Because like chat's going yeah. wild seeing Dragon Quest X as the first announcement in the simulcast. That little bit of text that wasn't even said out loud, just like faded in and then faded out just like was a gut punch. <laughs> and honestly, like with the the upsetting translator setup and then that back to back was like, OK, there's this is going to be a weird vibe the yeah. whole time. The next announcement, I was like all about Dragon Quest X offline. <laughs> They're taking the entirety of the game, redoing it in kind of the like art style that looks like the old like DS or like 3DS games, like the 3DS version of Dragon Quest VII. Gotcha. Taking the entire story of that game and making it playable offline because like it is like its own Dragon Quest game. Like it is a full mm. story. I've heard it's a great story too. Um, it's like one of the better ones of all the Dragon Quest games, which is I think why people want it in the West so badly. And they're making the whole thing playable offline. So like you don't need to have access to the servers or whatever. Like it's just its own standalone video game they get to the end of the announcement nothing about a worldwide release <laughs> they just they just don't mention it and i was like okay is that just gonna be the vibe like they specifically said like dragon quest 10 not getting a worldwide release but everything else will be like worldwide like we can assume that we then move on to the next game which is like a, a mobile game it's like a match three mobile game it seemed like i don't really know the deal but they specifically say worldwide release like coming out everywhere <laughs> like, of course we get the family guy match three yeah, exactly, <laughs> featuring exactly. slimes yeah um but but as soon as i said that i was like retroactively worried about dragon quest 10 offline because i'm like oh, what the fuck okay why yeah. is that not like it just seems like if you're gonna make an offline version of a game then like that would be much easier to localize than an actual mmo sure um, yeah the next announcement was a, a game called Dragon Quest Treasures, which I think you would probably be into. I don't really know like what the gameplay is or like how it works, but it's like a prequel story about Mia and Eric, who are uh, these siblings from Dragon Quest XI. Great storyline with those two, like in that game specifically, and seeing Absolutely. how they grew up as thieves together with this like big band of Vikings. Like, sounds really cool. It seems like you're like following them around. And like pillaging, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just stealing like shit. The, the reflection of Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one because, again, I don't really know what it is. But like you said, if you're going to like give any kind of prequel to Dragon Quest Eleven, it would be like them growing up together. Absolutely. Because I think Mia is like one of the best characters in the game that only gets so much screen time. So it'd be yeah. cool to see them together. And in that like kind of almost like bounty hunter-ish world of Dragon Quest, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm very into whatever that thing is going to be. I think it's going to be cool. 
cool. I think it also goes off of what we said last week or the week before when we talked about Dragon Quest Builders 2, where like that game's success shows like how many successful genres you can tackle in this world. Cause like what people like about Dragon Quest, you know, it's a great RPG with great combat, but like you're there for the vibe. And I think you can like apply that to a bunch of different genres and see what works as the series grows so i'm into it yeah i'm i yeah very very into it i think a lot of people were expecting that to be a dragon quest monsters like a like a new version of dragon quest monsters for like the modern era because it's been a long time since one of those came out been cool Um, yeah but it's this new thing and like as you said i'm i'm always i'm always gonna be in favor of trying new shit um so very interested to see what's going on there and then at the end of that they said simultaneous worldwide release okay again plus again going back to dragon quest 10 offline where is that (laughs) (laughs) Next, using the Octopath HD 2D engine, they are remaking Dragon Quest 3. Which again, a lot of people anticipating a remake of Dragon Quest Nine going into this. I think we're like, whoa, this is wild. But the remake in Dragon Quest Three, they, you know, because this is like an interview set up with this like guy and Yuji Hori just kind of talking back and forth about it. They kind of got into why they're remaking Dragon Quest Three, and I think it makes a lot of sense. It's just like that was the first one where they really felt like they got it. That was the first one yeah. where like it hit like in a really big way in Japan. It was the first one that also like worked outside of Japan as well. Like it was the first one that people were like, "Oh yeah, this is like something really." It's special. like the link to the past for Dragon Quest. Absolutely, it's like the moment everything kind of crystallized. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of people still say that like that is probably one of the best Dragon Quest games. Like of all of the ones that have come out, like that's like towards the top of the list. So really cool idea and honestly looks stunning like looks really pretty it looks like they've actually like refined the octopath vibe a little bit and like made it look a little bit more seamless because octopath like while stunning and just like love it you know we've also seen that that style in project triangle strategy like also looks great but something about this dragon quest 3 remake like looks like they took that idea in that engine and like really just kind of refined the art style down to something that that feels like inherently more dragon quest than yeah. i think like octopath looked like final fantasy or project triangle strategy looked like they seem whatever. to be using color and light a bit more purposefully yes. than like i think there there are moments of octopath that look breathtaking and then there's some that look kind of blurry like right because the there's so much bloom yeah. lighting that like right. <laughs> yeah it's just like indiscernible what's going on what is this eco get out of here <laughs> but uh yeah i'm ex- i'm really excited for that because actually i have the switch version of dragon quest 3 and it's fine but like it has that sort of like weirdly polished up sprite look to make it look like microsoft paint in a bad way vibe and like, yeah yeah and it's also i think like i think the switch ports are ports of the mobile version specifically so they have like updated ui and stuff to like look more like the mobile version um which just kind of makes it look worse and like less coherent <laughs> artistically yeah so I, I don't know. I'm excited about this. And, and Yuji Hori in the interview was like, if this goes well, we will go back and make one and two also, which is cool. Yes. I'm into that. Uh, I yeah. would like to play all three of them looking like that. I think that'd be cool. Starting with three and then going backwards seems like a weird choice, especially considering three is already available on the Switch. Like, why not pick one that's not on the Switch? I don't know. <laughs> kind of, you know, the idea of going to the Nintendo Switch store and typing a Dragon Quest three and having two options and one of them is expensive and one of them is not, I think is going to be confusing to a lot of people. But whatever. It's square. Enix, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> I'm into I'm into this simultaneous worldwide release. You know, no date on it. Just like this is the thing we're working on. Cool, great. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And they wrapped up the stream with the thing that everybody was expecting. Dragon Quest 12. It's called the Flames of Fate. And weirdly one of the announcements alongside this was like this is going to be the first dragon quest for adults 
which immediately gave me pause. I was I was just like, okay, what does that mean, though? Because as you were just saying, in terms of spinoffs and stuff, like they've crafted such like a vibe, such a world that you want to hang out in. Like everything about Dragon Quest is like comfort. It's like made for you to feel comfortable at all times. The idea of like this logo showing up, it's all flamey fiery you know it it looks like like magma is ripping open the earth like it looks like fucking like hot topic in a way (laughs) and then to be like it's the first adult dragon quest like i have no idea what that means and it worries me a little bit but also like they can't deviate too far from what dragon quest is and i think they kind of know that so i'm wondering like really how that's going to come in because it's not like dragon quest games haven't been dark before you know that's the thing yeah i mean i I think um (laughs) the the immediate fear is like shadow the hedgehog energy yeah you know, man. it's like yes. hero with a gun and like you know <laughs> uh, like a turok dinosaur behind him or something <laughs> but um i think you're right i think they know like if there's any series that knows what people want it's dragon quest yeah. and i think that like the thing we discussed a lot in our bonus episode about 11 is that like i've now played all of 11 including the post game i've played f- most of five i've played the beginning hours of eight so like I have, like, I'm still very much, like, new to the series, but I have, like, enough of an understanding to see that, like, what makes the storytelling so effective in a lot of these games is that, like, they're doing what you expect and they're kind of, like, very comfortable in the foundation of the series and, like, the familiar beats, but they do just enough to deviate it that it kind of keeps you on your feet. Mm-hmm. And when things get real, when the stakes are high, like, you really care because yes. you've been so smitten by everything else. So... I'm not against them like having a more mature story. Honestly, I think that there are moments of 11 that I kind of wish I committed more to that because it feels like they're sort of like at this halfway point between like doing that and then reeling away from it. So I wonder what it looks like when they're like, we're just going to kind of fully accept a heavier story. That could be really cool. But like what I'm worried about is like the pseudo edgy vibes. Totally. it, It would need to take a lot of like a tremendous lack of self-awareness to go in that direction for the series. I I, think, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if it literally just starts with like, you know, the world, the world is already shitty and you have to make it better, you know, like skipping, skipping to like, you know, uh, the, the time skip sections of like the final fantasy games and dragon quest games that have been like, what if the villain won? you know, like starting there instead of making that like 10 hours in, I don't know. I mean, also like it could be darker in the sense of like final fantasy seven, where that's like a very grim, almost post-apocalyptic in some ways game or like you're in this very dystopian like logical end result of capitalism society Mm -hmm. but it's still goofy and fun like it still has that like whimsical sense of adventure totally even though it's in that setting so if they do something like that uh, i think it would work really well yeah that's a that's a that's a great take i i I would hope that they would go in that direction um yeah it it also implied uh this idea that there's going to be like some kind of character choice you know i i'm not expecting a mass effect like dialogue <laughs> wheel but it's see it seems like there's gonna be ways to potentially like shift the story uh, i'm which i'm into i'm very like into the idea that they're changing it up a little bit more because 11 especially in the post game really does feel like kind of like a love letter to the entire series and it also yeah. kind of feels like both like a good entry point and also like a okay like, this is sort of the finale of dragon quest as you know it in some ways mm-hmm. so again I, I think there's a delicate balance I, I don't want Shadow the Hedgehog. No shade on Shadow. He, he's a great 
great hedgehog, but I don't want him <laughs> in Dragon Quest. So yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. I'm excited. I mean, I think it's one of those things where sometimes like when all we're given is a word or a sentence, we all hang on to that a little bit too strongly. We'll see what it actually is when we see more of it. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I look all in all, I I think it was like a, it was an interesting event. It just had like the strangest vibe possible. Yeah. I I really really hope that Dragon Quest Ten offline gets released here because I would. Like, I'm dying to play that thing. It's a great idea. I actually yeah. saw some discussion. There, there's a pretty lively, like, channel for FF14 in our Discord, um, which is a game that I, like, I finally finished Realm Reborn. I want to get to the later expansions. It's sort of like my long-term project for myself and for the show. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people were talking about how they would love to see, like, an offline mode for FF14, which I think is also a great idea. Yeah. It's like, like why not? what does it look like when you can, like, not have to pay, like, a monthly subscription, but you can just you know get the story part of it and like honestly most of my time in that game is pretty solitary anyway i don't think it would take away a lot same here yeah i think i i we played together like a few times you know in anticipation of like playing that game and doing a bonus episode about it at one point but pretty much all of the hours i've dumped into that have been just me and i've really liked it for that honestly that was a really fun bonus because the only bonus where we're playing the game while we record yeah we did it in final fantasy yeah it was a lot of fun we we were like doing it well until we did a dungeon together and i'm like i might need to delay this point i'm making because we (laughs) have to play the big spider Yeah, so that's the Dragon Quest event. Uh, any any other thoughts on it before we move on? No, no, that, that's kind of it. Um, I, look, I, I just am so surprised at myself having become such a huge Dragon Quest fan over the past like year and a half ish, I would say. Um, just like with you playing Final Fantasy 14 is like your like big long term project. Like for me, it's Dragon Quest 8, uh, which I'm still playing mm. like pretty much daily at this point and like still love. And the further I get, the more I love it. You know, I, I just think that's the case with every Dragon Quest game. Like the more time you put into it, the more you love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to finish five and eight over time as well. Yeah. Before I, I don't want to start any other ones until I'm like done with one of those, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I keep having this, like, urge to go out and pick up more Dragon Quest games. Uh, but I'm like, I just got to finish eight first. I just got to, like, <laughs> see this one through and then, like, explore what else is out there. Because I, re- I really want to play nine because I've heard that nine is really interesting. It's the only one where you can make your own character. Uh, from what I understand, too, it's like pretty much endless. It's like an endless Dragon Quest, which I'm very into, like, what that means <laughs> even. Yeah. But that's like the word that people always throw around when talking about it. And then also they remade seven for the 3DS. Like, that's another one that got a 3ds port that like is pretty easily available like there's a there's a vintage game store near my house that i've been meaning to go to you know but the pandemic made that pretty much inaccessible until recently like now i would feel comfortable going there and they have like a bunch of copies of dragon quest 7 on 3ds and i'm like really interested in going and picking it up because i've heard that that's maybe the worst one but uh also it really has its defenders as with like all video games i guess i I don't think there's like a bad one it's not like final fantasy where there's like yeah clearly one or two bad ones right Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though they also have their defenders, but in Dragon Quest, like I think it's like six and seven seem to get less fanfare. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm sure this still great. Totally. Yeah. I, I look. Dragon Quest is good, and I, I just <laughs> I was so excited to have this like simulcast thing happen. I'm excited for our game of the year in 2023 to be the offline Dragon Quest 10 mode. <laughs> Why not? You know? Yeah. Uh, but as a as as far as like a pre E3 event goes like that, that was pretty cool. Um, I, yeah. I had a good time this week with all these announcements. There was a, there was a Sonic live stream that was very silly. They announced like uh, a, a port of the Sonic Wii game. Uh, what was it Sonic Colors is coming to switch? Things like that. Like people people were stoked about it. And then they like teased a new one, but didn't say what it was. But <laughs> I, I saw like a really intense breakdown on Twitter of like Sonic's shoe shape looking the same as it did in the Sonic Adventure 
adventure games. Uh, so like that, that little tease of like his shoe being more curved than usual, like <laughs> really sent that fandom into a spiral, which uh, hey, I'm enjoying there's watching. a child garden. I'm there. I'll, I'll get it for the child garden. Dude, absolutely. I've heard Sonic Colors is one of the better ones, too, yes. from what I understand. So that's yeah, cool. I've heard that I actually too. might get that on Switch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when that comes out. I, I, I wasn't really paying attention to the to the stream, but uh, I, uh, I am interested in what's going on there. Um, they also announced Far Cry 6, which made me mad, but uh, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Yes. AJ, can you put a break sound in here? Ah! Thank you so much. I have, I have two things I want to talk about quickly. One of them you haven't played, so I'll just like kind of skip by it. Uh, and then the other one you... Take your time. I'm here to hang out. I have my Stumptown cold brew. This is not an ad. I just like Stumptown a oh, lot. Oh, hell yeah. In, in their yeah. cool bottles. Yeah. I really I love Stumptown. Um, anyway, a game I'm playing... <laughs> on my apple iphone uh recently that i found like totally by accident like honestly steven i couldn't tell you how i found it i i learned about it before it was released and on the app store like it, if it's listed on the app store before release you can hit like pre-order and then eventually when it comes out it'll just like download to your phone automatically and i don't remember when i found it when i hit the pre-order button or whatever but recently a game was installed on my phone <laughs> at, at random and it's called fallen of the round is this the persona 5 app that takes you to Yeah. (laughs) Fallen of the Round is a roguelike that is made by one person, it seems like. Um, I found them on Twitter just to see like how many people worked on it. And it really just seems like this one person worked on it. Uh, But it's a roguelike that reminds me a lot of like the hologram chess that Chewbacca plays on the Millennium Falcon Mm. or like wizard chess, like that kind of idea. Essentially, the way it works and and the way it looks, uh, it's like this like very tilt shifty visual style where you get these uh, like little figurines that are like archers and mages and knights and like barbarians and things like that. Um, And you have half of this like ring, this like circle that you can put your little like chess pieces on. And then there are enemies on the other side. And all of your characters and the enemy characters have uh, like attack points and hit points, right? So like how much damage they do when they attack, how much health do you have? How how many hits can you take? Archers and mages can attack from afar. Uh, You know, barbarians and like Valkyries and knights and stuff have to have to hit up close they're like area of effect attacks and things like that and that's cool by itself like that's like a cool idea just in terms of like a roguelike kind of vibe where like as you continue to clear levels you get more characters and things like that and you can add them to your like stable you can only have a couple characters out on the field per match so you have to like pick and choose who you're sending out it's a good idea the thing that really takes it over the edge for me the thing that made me like really really latch onto it once i realized uh what was going on here is that the way the game works is when it is a a character's turn uh you know a mage or an archer are just you know you kind of pull back on the character and then you shoot at the one that you want to hit very classic move but if you're playing as a melee character specifically what you have to do is pull back and then launch that character at the one that you want to hit and they only have a finite distance that they can move so the game becomes more about positioning than it is about like how much attack or, or health mm. your characters have, which I think is really interesting. So there are there are like instances in which, you know, I have my mage and my archer way back in the field, like out, out of the realm of even like getting close to getting hit by any of the, you know, big bads that are on the field. And then I'm using my like knights or my like people with less health, uh, but, like you know, high melee damage or whatever to just kind of like keep them in one spot. 
you know, just like kind of make it so the enemies aren't like chasing after my mage and my archer, which are actually doing the most damage. Or alternatively, just sending a character like around to kind of like kite the bosses or kite the enemies around the field just far enough away that they can't actually hit and do any damage, but also far enough away from my like long range attackers uh, to be able to do damage. I think it's cool. I think it's a cool game. It's a cool idea. Uh, Every time I sit down to play it, I learn a new thing, which I think is, you know, great as all roguelikes are. Um, Yeah. The one thing that I'll say about it. So this game is three bucks, which like it's not very expensive. It definitely feels like unfinished and it doesn't explain anything. And (laughs) and, like, you know, that that could rub you the wrong way in some cases. Uh, For me, I've just found it to like be more roguelike, you know, than I think maybe even the developer wants it to be because they don't explain anything because I have to figure out all the mechanics and how everything works by myself. Like that feels more roguelikey to me. I do think that it would benefit from a tutorial because it would allow more people to get into it. But as far as like... uh, a random game I found on the internet goes made by one person for $3. I cannot stop playing Fallen of the Round. And I have, oh, yeah. I've beaten it like, I don't know, eight or nine times at this point. Like I've beaten it a lot um, because the game is like kind of short. And if you get certain characters and you do certain things, I kind of don't want to spoil mechanically because there's some like really interesting shit that happens that, that you'll just like discover ambiently as you continue playing uh, for, for, you know, all of the like caveats. It is like very easily one of my favorite roguelikes I played. It's like such a fresh idea. It's such a new idea. I've never seen anything that kind of plays like this or looks like this. And it just feels like a cool little experiment that you can get on your iPhone. I don't know if it's available anywhere else i don't know if it's available on android or pc or whatever but i've been playing on my iphone and i really like it i actually recorded a video i did like a stream of this game just to show it off the other day um so that's on our youtube if you want to go check it out it's really cool it's called fallen of the round i'll put the link in the show notes too if you're interested in checking it out yeah it looks cool i watched a bit of your stream I, it also kind of reminded me a little bit of fantasian in terms of like the pulling back and the sort yeah. of like the different art styles but the sort of like diorama like miniature vibe of yes. it was similar yeah um, which I liked it looks really cool also I, I'm so excited for Fantasian part 2 whenever that comes out I feel so alone because I beat part <laughs> 1 in like a week and I don't think anyone else did like at all <laughs> so I have no one to talk to about it so hopefully that comes out soon but anyway yeah Follow the Round looks awesome I think I might pick it up it looks really cool yeah I, I think I think I'll have a good time with it I'll say this much like because it's so bare bones because it feels like such a such a like an early access adjacent kind of thing it definitely took me a couple rounds to like really get into it. But as I continue to discover some of the mechanics, like for example, one of the uh, pawns, they're called pawns. One of the pawns that you can add to your like stable of pawns is a fairy, which doesn't do any attack damage, but has some health. Uh, and sometimes will come with like bonus stats. It's like, okay, if it's around its allies, like it'll boost all of their attack, you know, a little bit by like 15% every turn or something like that. Little things like that. But I was like, why do you want this fairy? Like, why would you get a fairy if it doesn't do any attack and like doesn't have any stats equipped to it? Like I or extra skills or whatever equipped to it. And what I learned eventually is that you actually need to take a fairy and then hit your own uh, allies with it. And when if you, when you hit an ally with a fairy, it makes it that ally's turn immediately like it jumps them up in the turn order oh cool to the top like things like that i just keep discovering and you know i had beaten the game like three or four times before i even learned that that was how the fairies worked and now i'm like oh my god i need a fairy all the time now like that's become part of my thing what i've also found interesting and you can see me trying to figure this out in the stream that i did they say that you can only have four of your own characters on the field at a time but like i have found it very easy
easy to get like five, six, seven or eight of them on the field at a time. And I don't know if that's a bug or if that's part of like the intention of the game. Uh, it's very confusing. It's it's really confusing. Like what is and is not on purpose in this game. Um, <laughs> but what is there? I like really like. So anyway, that's fallen of the round. I, th- I think it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I hope it gets like some updates or uh, I don't know. I just hope it becomes yeah. a more complete thing. Cause I, I would I would like to see more people talking about it because it's really it's really interesting. Totally. The other thing I wanted to talk about with you is uh, a game that I think you told me you had negative interest in. Uh, and then, <laughs> okay. and then, the, and then you and me played with, with AJ. Oh, Hello, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> negative interest is brutal. Knockout city. Knockout city. A game about dodgeball by EA electronic arts. Th- this is a game that honestly, like I think had maybe like the biggest uphill battle ever to have people like even say a positive thing about it at all. Because I, for those of you who maybe don't remember, it had like one of the worst launch trailers like ever, like the trailer where they announced yeah. this game. I think it was in a Nintendo direct was like so painful uh, that it immediately just made people be like, well, this is dead on arrival. Like this is a game that nobody's going to like. What they ended up doing this week was that if if you downloaded the game, it was going to be free completely for the week. Um, so you could check it out and like play it and see if you liked it. They obviously, you know, as with all g- multiplayer focused games, they paid a bunch of streamers to be playing it like throughout the week during this. Uh, I think they're calling it the block party. So, you know, it got a lot of it got a lot of like visibility, I think, this week. It's worth noting that it's going to be free forever if you have Game Pass, like it's part of EA Play. So you could just like play it forever if you have Xbox or PC and, and have access to that. But I think it's going to be like 20 bucks on Switch and, and PlayStation, which is like nonsense. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's cross-platform play as well. So yeah. it's not even like it, it, it's such a choice. It's a very EA choice. Let's say that. It is a very know? EA choice. Absolutely. Um, I I started playing this game because AJ was playing it and AJ was like, this is really good. I started seeing some people online say like, you should actually check this out while it's free because it's pretty great. Um, and then I watched some streams of it and I was like, okay, yeah, I th- this has pushed me over the edge. I, I want to check this out for myself. Yeah, I, I had a lot of friends too who I, I really respect their opinion who were like really enjoying it. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Fine. I'll check out <laughs> EA's take on Fortnite. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was actually one of the big surprises for me because I thought it was a Fortnite adjacent thing and then it turned out to be more like Apex Arenas or like Valorant or whatever, where it's like a three on three dodgeball combat game where you and two friends or two like randoms that you would just team up with uh, launch into a map that has like a wild art style that's like Overwatch meets Fortnite meets I don't even know Art Deco uh, meets greasers. Like, yeah, the setting seems to be like I guess like um, like Prohibition era Chicago, but in the future. Yeah, so like that's a great way of putting it. Almost like Cora energy a little bit, but like yeah. replace the like bending and magic with like dodgeball, sort of steampunk dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. Also, like when you load the game, there's like a rooftop hideout that I actually really like. the The overall vibe reminded me a little bit of Jet Set Radio Future. Where totally you have like kind of a hideout and um you know th- there's there's some charm in the presentation there's a lot of customization for the character which is cool but really like they have found every corner to monetize this game to ways that are like very strange like it's like, okay the normal stuff like you can uh as you play you'll get rewarded with like new outfits or new hairstyles that's all fine there are new faces as well which like feels <laughs> a little like weirdly inappropriate in some ways to monetize a face it. yeah yeah <laughs> It's like the fact that I'm wearing a common face feels like very insulting to me. Um, 
And then there's also randomly a Breath of the Wild glider in this game that like I, I criticized at first and now I hate. It serves no purpose in this game. Yeah. It's just there because I guess it's a trendy thing to have. I was really confused about the glider. Of, of all the things, you know, I, I really like this game. I've, I've been playing it a lot and I've been enjoying it a lot. But the one huge mechanic downfall of this game is the glider. Like the glider very frequently. So just how it works is you jump and if you hit A again or like the jump button again, you'll pull out a glider and you'll start to glide around, which I think is supposed to be for situations in which, uh, you know, you're jumping from a high place and you need to like glide to another place, which makes sense. But more frequently or more often than not, I find that the glider glider just kills me immediately because like yeah. I'll, I'll pull out the glider by accident <laughs> when I'm trying to jump over a gap uh, and then just like glide down to my death very 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 slowly uh, which is like not great I feel like if you just replace that with a double jump it would serve the same purpose and exactly. do what people expect it to do and then that's so the, the core game is dodgeball like you can throw or catch the ball so if you catch it you know it doesn't it doesn't knock the other person out but you just have the ball now and everyone has two hits by default I think yeah you have you have two hit points and it, it when you get hit twice you're you know out and that that counts as one the core the core game of like throwing catching and dashing is really good like uh, you and i have both said that like in those like heated moments of like one-on-ones or two-on-ones or three-on-ones or whatever like those moments feel really great and the core game is really well done and like it's really satisfying to like fake someone out because you you can pretend to throw the ball which i think is the best mechanic in the game Mm. because like everyone's pretty good at catching it so like suddenly the meta is like how do i trick them you know it's not about can i hit them with the ball it's about how do i trick them so like you'll pretend to throw it and then a teammate might throw it behind them or you might like catch them in, in the wrong part of a level. The levels are a little bit hit or miss, but the good ones are great. Like yes. the good ones add a lot. Like, there's one that's very Splatoon with a bunch of tubes. Oh, yeah. I really think I, I, I said this to you and AJ while we were playing because at first it wasn't really working for me and then it really was. And then I got brought back down again and I was like if this game had like eight less things going on it would be perfect yeah. like if it was really like get rid of the glider get rid of the busier levels like really just focus because I, I love games that really focus on like three or four mechanics and like just go as deeply into that as possible which I think is like what the game is advertising itself as like a very like the only instructions you're given other than the tutorial which you and I both skipped and AJ kept making fun of us for is <laughs> do you play the tutorial I'm like no man I got shit to do uh, you know like finish match Effect 2 in a night. Um, yeah, they introduce a lot of mechanics in the tutorial, which like I honestly think just make the game busier in a, in a yes. negative way, which is I think what you're saying. Like, for example, you know, when I when I started playing the game, because I, I went through like half the tutorial and then I was like, I just want to play this. Like, I, I know enough. You know, I just want to like get into a match and see what it feels like. What I thought the game was, was you just catch a new throw and that's cool and that's it, you know, and, and yeah, that, me too. that by itself is like a really great idea. Every time you uh, launch into a, a, a new game, they like randomly select a special kind of dodgeball that'll show up. So there's one that's like a sniper shot that you can like throw like all the way across the map at like really high speeds there's another one that kind of works as like a triple green shell or triple red shell from mario kart where like you get three dodgeballs at once and you can like just throw all three of them as quickly as you can which is really cool and this idea of just like running jumping throwing the dodgeball catching a dodgeball holding one like to and using it to like block another dodgeball that's coming at you like that by itself is really frenetic and fun and really cool yes but then they start adding in this other stuff that like when you're in the air you can like do a 
a forward somersault and if you throw the ball while you're doing a forward somersault it'll like throw the ball in a certain way or if you do a spin and you throw it it'll like curve the ball like all of those things just make it more complex in ways that it doesn't need to be because the core of the game is so cool and so interesting already and like surprisingly great that everything else actually just raises the skill ceiling past I think where they would want their target audience to be they've like almost made it specifically to be like a high level competitive game whereas I think and you know I don't know enough about business but i think (laughs) that this game would actually fare a lot better if it was like a really really accessible multiplayer game that just didn't have fucking guns in it you know like if right like like if this was a game where it was literally just like r2 to throw l2 to catch you know like that's a game that i would be very comfortable giving to like a six-year-old you know like and be like this is your multiplayer game this is your introduction to multiplayer games yeah i I totally agree as it stands it's very fun and if you have a way to play it especially while it's free i'd recommend checking it out because like it's got a lot going for it i just i'm not super confident in the direction it's going i just because i see them adding more instead of taking away the extraneous stuff totally you know and like the fact that (laughs) so when you push up on the d-pad you go woohoo which we did like we just did for like an hour straight like in the hideout (laughs) and then like okay i gotta go to bed but aj had a had an uncommon uh, expression where he went ha ha and i'm like ea is literally charging you 20 dollars to say ha ha i'm out i can fuck this (laughs) yeah and honestly i think i think there's another angle to this conversation that we could have that's like this is very much like actually there's two halves to this i think on one hand you have the like here's another company you know like ea or ubisoft or whoever trying to like get in on the like fall guys hype and the Fortnite hype and the and the whatever hype you know which like those are not games that like came out Fortnite actually is is a little bit this but like fall guys for example is not like we're trying to cash in on like the battle royale thing it was just like here's like a fun idea for a video game you know yeah and and ea is very much like at least in this case and in uh, i forget what the other one was called it was like the the rocket launcher one do you remember that game that they announced it was it was like this but only with rocket launchers like everybody had rocket launchers i don't remember what it's called it came out and flopped immediately but like it's just another instance of ea being like we really need to like get our hat in the ring in this space specifically you know i i think like a great example of this is hyperscape which is that ubisoft game that like came out and everybody forgot immediately same deal you know it launched it was free at launch uh when it first came out they paid a bunch of streamers you know fucking ninja was playing it you know stuff like that um and it immediately tanked like after it released and this game being a game that is like launching for free and then will be twenty dollars on most platforms like is not a model that's really gonna work out for them i think i think that's why i'm like hesitant to be like yes this is awesome because like while the game is really fun and i want to honor the work that's been done on it by like the people who actually worked on the game yeah the vibe is like ea wants to get in on this you know and that's like what's sort of like present in the whole experience yeah and it's a brilliant point because like fall guys and I, I and i think there's another angle where it's like even if that's the reason the game exists that ea wants to get in on this market fall guys and knock at city like you mentioned earlier are both takes on a Fortnite type game that are more kid friendly and that don't just aren't about like shooting each other you know which yeah. like i'm not like overtly into like censoring games or anything but like the fact that that's always the default especially for a younger audience can be a lot it's just nice to see like what can you do that isn't that even on, on a creative level it's like what else could you do creatively do you remember you know? that apple arcade game that that we talked about that one time that butter, was butter royale. butter royale that was yeah. like the, oh the whole idea was instead of shooting bullets you're shooting like ketchup and mustard but it's yeah, like but still they, like rocket be, launchers and guns and shit yeah and they'd say <laughs> weird things like yeah put mustard on my ass <laughs> there was like there was like weird 
like suggestive cursing in that game like oh yeah relish me <laughs> it's uh, so confusing <laughs> the, so the so that's one half right is like this yeah, is definitely like yeah. ea trying to get into this thing the other half honestly Stephen, and this is like really where my head is at with this game is like look it's a it's a free game it's the game of the moment like why not check it out you know like as as we say constantly on this podcast we're not beholden to playing what's new but this was an instance where like this is a game that was interesting enough to me that i would download it and play it for free for a little bit you know and now it like might be a game that every once in a while like i could you know text aj and be like aj do you want to play knockout city for a while and like we will and we'll have a good time with it you know because it's on xbox and it's on ea play but i think like it will immediately fade into obscurity as soon as it costs twenty dollars and and that's fine that's fine to like launch into a game and have fun for a couple hours and then like not go back to it like that's that's video games baby yeah i i totally agree that like why not check it out and i love being proven wrong mm-hmm. i kind of almost feel bad though that like you know I, I even though it's like ea i would want this game to do well because i think there's like a lot that like this game doing well would be like a positive impact for like this type of game you yeah. know yeah so I'm I'm like worried that it won't do well after it goes $20 on every other system. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, I think we're also almost overthinking it. Like, it's a fun free game that like, oh, cool, dodgeball. And that's it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Relish me. That's all I got in Knockout City. I think I'm ready to move on. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap that up by just saying like, I like Knockout City. I'm probably gonna play more of it. TBH. On, on my Xbox using I love game yelling pass. woohoo to no one. <laughs> oh, we, we how did we forget this? This is the best thing about the game. When you make a team, you can name your crew. Oh yeah. We we learned this lesson because our first match was against a group of people called Shabani Yogurt who just completely creamed us. No yeah. pun intended. That probably was intentional. <laughs> uh so like, okay, what's our crew name? And it's Blink Fun 82. Yeah, shout out to AJ for coming up with that just uh, like unprompted almost. <laughs> so, look out. That's knockout city. It's a uh, I don't know. It's available. <laughs> it's fun. The level with the um, Chuck E. Cheese carpet burger place, A plus. Great level. Galaxy Burger. Yeah. Easily the be- easily the best level. Really good. Yeah, it's fun. I think I'll play it some more too. Yeah. Let's move on. All right. Goodbye. Okay. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week we're not talking about Mass Effect on the show, yeah. but Steve and I did just talk about Mass Effect for another like 20 <laughs> minutes during the break. <laughs> I have started 3. Uh, I'm I'm in the early hours of 3. I'm going to take a break from both playing it and talking about it on the show <laughs> until closer to the bonus. We decided I think August is when we're going to do a Mass Effect trilogy bonus, so that's where you'll get the full funnel of uh of content. Yeah, so me- mentally prepare yourself physically prepare yourself start doing it's probably best too because everyone else who's like you know living an adjusted life will probably finish it around then and i'll be like i'm on my third playthrough i planted it twice in my head i already have it materially yeah so anyway expect that soon that that's mass effect i do i do I do want to talk to you about a game that I've been playing. So actually, as of, you know, this episode is will have come out after our Fire Emblem Awakening bonus, uh, which is oh, yeah. exhilarating. Uh, yes. I'm so excited for that to be released to the world. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that went over well. It was so much fun. It was maybe the most like Dionysian episode we've recorded. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also, you know, we're we're over an hour into the podcast, so I feel okay saying this. I had to call out of work the next day. Is how that episode <laughs> went. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've been playing a lot of 3ds. You know, like because Fire Emblem Awakening is great. Dragon Quest Eight is also great. Um, and I was like, I, I want to play something else on here. Like, I want to I want to see what else exists. And there's a game that like popped up in the Discord uh, that I had heard a lot about. 
at one point in time, but never actually checked out for myself. And I was like, I really need to see what this is because uh, it sounds so silly and so up my alley. And it's called Pocket Card Jockey. And I can't wait to tell you about it, Stephen. I cannot yeah. wait. So I don't first know what all, it is. I'm going to say I'm going to say this to you right now because this will be enough reason for you to go download it. It's six dollars. It is yeah. very cheap and you're going to have. Uh, just so much fun with it but this is a this is a video game that came out i think like 2014 ish <laughs> developed by game freak which is always shocking when it's a game freak game that's not pokemon yeah it's always it's always shocking and it's always like a really like they don't play it safe at game freak ever it's always yeah. like a wild game yeah yeah there's there's literally no way to ever guess what the non-pokemon <laughs> game freak game is going to be and and you could pay 100 people to sit in a room for one straight week and guess what this game is and they would never figure it out <laughs> if you didn't if you didn't give them the title of what it is they they would never figure it out so I this see. game is a game about racing horses via playing solitaire. And so like that by itself, like that's an interesting pitch. That's not exactly peanut butter and jelly, but like whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's a little cream cheese and jelly a little bit. <laughs> like, I guess it works. But I don't want this. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really bizarre. But they they actually like wrote a story to make this fit. And the story, I just I can't wait to tell you because I went in. I went in. Co- Knowing nothing, and I don't. I don't feel bad spoiling this for you because I just. I just need to see you react to it on the show, and yeah. also this game is from 2014. So like the people who wanted to play it and heard about it, like they already know this. This is old news, but for you, this is going to be new, and for me, this was new, and it knocked me on my ass for like an hour. The game opens with you uh, creating a character and then becoming a horse jockey, and you're like, I am going to be a superstar. I am so excited to race horses. This is going to be great. Yeah. Immediately, somebody's like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna train you. Then you're gonna, you're gonna become the next big horse jockey. Have you ever ridden a horse before?" And you're like, "Nope, never, never done it. But let's just give it a shot." And you go to get onto a horse to train, and you immediately, as soon as the horse starts moving, you fall off the horse, and the horse gets mad at you and kicks you in the face, and then you get trampled by another horse and you die right at the beginning <laughs> of the game. <laughs> You immediately get killed by a horse. What? And you wake up in the afterlife or in purgatory and the Grim Reaper is there. And the Grim Reaper is like, dude, you are so bad at riding horses. (laughs) (laughs) And your character is like, his dream. your Your character is like, yeah, I really bit off more than I could chew here. <laughs> I guess I, I guess like, what do I do now? And the Grim Reaper's like, I'm the Grim Reaper and you're dead. You don't do anything, man. Like, you're done. Like, that's it. You had a life and you lived it and it's over. And you're like, oh shit, I, I'm, I'm dead. And the Grim Reaper's like, look around. Everything is black and I'm the Grim Reaper. Of course you're done. And then eventually Grim Reaper's like, dude, I actually kind of feel bad for you because you're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and you died in such a stupid way that I'm gonna bring you back to life and I'll, I'll grant you one wish and your character's like I wanna be a good horse jockey and the Grim Reaper's like you tried that already and you suck at it <laughs> it's like is there anything else that you're good at and your character goes oh, I like playing solitaire a lot and the Grim Reaper goes alright here's what's gonna happen Every time you get on a horse and start racing, in your head, you're going to see solitaire. And you got to just play solitaire. And the better you do with solitaire, that's how good you'll be at horse racing in real life. And your guy's like, tight. 
great. Bring me back to life. This is going to be sick. And that's how the game starts. Oh, my God. They really, really needed to make sense of the mechanics, didn't they? <laughs> it feels like they're like, okay, we know it's horse racing solitaire, but how do we make that make sense narratively? <laughs> Have you played Mass Effect 2? Let's do a version of that where the elusive man brings back this bad jockey. Um. So like wow, that's what, unbelievable. Cannot have guessed that. Yeah, it's wild. It's a wild thing. I laughed so hard. And and what eventually happens is like you go and do your first ever race. Essentially, like somebody sponsors you and is like, "Here's a horse. You should ride it." And you go do your first ever race, and they just like teach you the mechanics of the game essentially. And the mechanics are like right at the starting line. You have to play solitaire like literally as quickly as possible. Uh, and and the quicker you're able to get through it, the like faster your horse comes out of the gate. As you continue to run, you have to do this thing where you're like drawing a line where you want your horse to be, like in terms of like inside towards the fence or outside. And and depending on how well you do it, solitaire is like how well they'll do in like that maneuvering, like not hitting into other horses and things like that. So you're just like continually playing solitaire over and over again and every once in a while in the cutscenes in between races and stuff your character will be like oh man yeah that was a really good round of solitaire and everybody's like what the fuck are you talking about dude <laughs> like people just keep like you'll keep like slipping up and mentioning that he's playing solitaire and everybody's like what are you talking about man oh my god which i love i love that they are just like so fully aware of how like stupid the game is as a yeah, concept yeah Here's the thing, though. It's amazing. It's an incredible game. It is like every game that I wanted to play this week, I would put down after like 20 to 30 minutes and instead pick up my 3DS and play Pocket Card Jockey for another like hour to two hours. Um, wow. The way the way it works is like you get a horse, you have to continue to do races, which is just playing solitaire. And as you continue to like do better, you get more money and you also get more experience for your horse who like levels up and, uh, you know, has certain stats that they kind of max out. Every horse has like a different different vibe to them, like where they want to be in terms of like inside or outside of the track, uh, where they want to be in terms of like towards the front or towards the back of the pack, things like that. You have to like master a couple things here and there that I like, won't really get super into mechanically because like it's not as interesting as like the premise. But over time, you know, as you continue to do races, your horse will get older and older and older. And then eventually they'll have to like retire to like a farm where you just like breed that horse with another horse and they like carry over stats like Fire Emblem Awakening, weirdly enough, <laughs> into a new horse. So you're this is where like the replayability of this game comes from. And this is and I immediately understood why people have been playing this game like since it came out and have not stopped is because like it's just endless. And as you continue to do better and get your horses to like improve stat wise, you're just making better and better horses over and over again and just like improving the your viability as like a jockey essentially and the whole idea is like you just want to win every race that exists uh so you know there's like i don't know i don't know how many races there are in the game you have like a trophy room that has like a bunch of empty spots in it i haven't counted but there's like a lot of races and it's going to be hard to win some of them it's gonna be easy to win other ones but i think the idea is you want to win everything eventually if your horse gets old enough uh they go into like the mature races which just means that like horses over the age of three will all like race together and they have like really high stats and i don't know it's just like a fun interesting way to just kind of like almost like take a load off in a way because like you know it's just like so silly to be racing horses with like bizarre stats but then you can go back into like regular mode and train up horses from the ground up again um so there's like this really satisfying loop uh and all the while you're just playing solitaire which i should mention i love solitaire i play like a lot of different versions of solitaire so one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of Zach Gage as a developer is like he also loves Solitaire and has just made like four or five different variants that are available on like iOS and Android and stuff that you can go play. I'm a big fan of Solitaire. So like this as a concept is great. It's like a Solitaire RPG somehow. 
Um, yeah. And it like really, really works. Even though the opening is like so off the wall, it completely lands. And the game itself is such a silly conceit and it completely lands. And it just makes for this like extremely satisfying game that like I'm amazed I haven't picked up and played earlier. Uh, and now it's going to be like part of my repertoire forever. Uh, I love I love this game. So I can't overstate how much I love Pocket Card Jockey. It's so good. Is there any like lingering compromise with the Grim Reaper, or is he just out of the picture as soon as he nope. brings you back? That's it. <laughs> okay. I was wondering, like you being in a room full of trophies, like I did it, but at what cost? I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know. Maybe I get to the end and it's like, okay, now you're dead for real. Like yeah. you did it. You accomplished your dream. Yeah. Like, hey, Grim, can I get another wish? This time I want to be really good at Batman, but same deal. I want to play solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool idea i mean to make a game about one thing and have it mechanically be entirely something else it's a hard thing to pull off so yeah sounds cool yeah Six it's bucks. really good yeah it's so cheap and it just seems infinite and like if you get into the loop which i'll be honest it took me a little while also you know kind of like falling of the round like it took me a little while to like fully get into it because i i won the first two races i was like wow i love this because like i i play solitaire a lot so like I, I wasn't having a hard time with the solitaire aspect of the game but then i lost like 10 races in a row which was like brutal on my morale i was like oh my god my horse sucks my horse is named blingin kid that just like <laughs> It was just like, what's your horse's name? And and that was the like autofill. I was like, absolutely, it's blinging kid. Um, my my horse blinging kid just like sucked for such a long time. And then I learned yeah. that it was just like I didn't internalize the mechanics of the non-solitaire parts of the game because like mm. there are choices you have to make in between rounds of solitaire that are about like the placement of your horse and all this other stuff that I just like wasn't really like nailing. And as soon as I started to think about it and like use that more, it made the game just like a lot more fun, which was interesting because I, I went into it just saying like, oh, this is just a solitaire game. And the better I do with solitaire, the better the horse does. And that's that's really like three quarters of the game. And the last quarter, you really got to figure out yeah it's it's so good it's so good steven <laughs> yeah i'm excited to check it out it sounds i was about to say it sounds extremely game freak but it's not which is even more on brand like they're just so yeah unhinged at least that yeah. game town that they put out on the switch was like still kind of like a turn-based battle rpg yeah, it was pokemon-esque i was excited about that did that come out like yeah people did not like it uh that's a bummer it really it um, really tanked like immediately yeah there are other entries in Game Freak's past that uh, I might bring up one day. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of, uh, there's really no segue here. I've been playing uh, the early access version of Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> uh, on your M1 Mac. On my M1 Mac. So, um, Which is exciting. Yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is uh, developed by Larian Studios, who you might know from Divinity fame. Larian Studios is working on Baldur's Gate 3, which back in like the 90s was Bioware's big series. Yeah. Bioware got their start making kind of like... A video game version of a D&D campaign, um, which is still kind of at the root of their design in some ways. They've become more cinematic since, but like I think their best work is always kind of like a middle ground between the two. Mm. I've only played Divinity Original Sin 2 of Larian's work, but that's like the big one. And I, <laughs> I feel like Larian is making the games that Bioware would probably still be making if they didn't become like the popular kid at school. You know, like <laughs> right, it feels yeah. like no, this is like this is like for the circle within the RPG circle. Mm -hmm. We brought up Divinity Original Sin two briefly. Uh, I, I want to say the start of twenty twenty. We both played it. I, I played like a good amount of it. I put in like at least twenty hours into Divinity Original Sin two. And I found it to be like 
incredibly ambitious and it's another game that I would say I respect more than I enjoyed. I, I mentioned in the episode about that game that like it's really as close to emulating what playing D&D is like as a video game. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think using Mass Effect as an example is interesting because in Mass Effect you have like very clearly broadcasted like lanes to go down, which really works for that game because that game is going for a more authored experience than even like Dragon Ages. And in Dragon Age, you kind of have a sweet spot in the middle where there's like way more lanes of role playing and way more like player freedom, but it's still going to follow the adventure of the Grey Warden. You know, you're not getting out of that. You're, yeah, you're, right. You might ally with werewolves instead of elves, but like you're going to go down that path. As hard as I try, you have to be a Grey Warden. <laughs> I really didn't want to be Grey Warden. Divinity, if you didn't want to be a Grey Warden, if that was like a thing, you could not, you know, and that's yeah. like there is so much player choice in Divinity that like I actually found it to be overwhelming. Like it is so far away from an author experience that it becomes hard to gauge what is worth doing and it really i think i described it as like a dm made a campaign and then left the table because like right. everything has been accounted for in, in like almost a cruel way where like the the game opens you're like amongst a crew of people who all have like a very fun mix of origin stories you can actually play as a lot of these like pre-made characters and like you'll see their story from like a protagonist point of view but if you don't play as them, they're still in the game as like recruitable companions, which is a really cool design choice, I think. Yeah. Because some characters, I think, really shine as playable characters and some really shine as crewmates. I really enjoyed it and like the level of writing and like I, I can see why people hold that game to like the standard it's on. Like it really is second to none in terms of like what you can do. And what's great about Larian's game, specifically Divinity Original Sin 2, is that like when you're in any situation, whether it's a battle or whether it's like just talking to a character, your own intuition as a player of like, could I try this? Like you would ask a DM and, and a, like, that's the thing everyone always says about their games is like, they really have captured the like asking a DM if you can try something in mm -hmm. a video game, yeah. you know? And in those moments, it's like, it's like, a dream like when when it works it's so good but i found that i was more frustrated than not because eventually i'm like can i just do something like <laughs> like you start off you know you're all prisoners on this ship you all have collars around you because you're all sorcerers source with s-o-u you know it's spelled in a different way and you so you can't do a lot of your like main abilities and you have no money and any possible fight you get into like you're gonna lose like you're so severely outmatched at every yeah. corner and always on fire for some reason like half <laughs> of my playthrough i was on fire in that game i i found it to be way more enjoyable on the story difficulty like i had it on normal i just found it like i'm like i don't know what i'm missing like there's nowhere like there's no sense of like grinding it's not that kind of game and I can't buy anything because I have no money. So I'm really just like, I can't really do anything. You know, even being clever and thinking about the environment, like I'm, I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm truly powerless, which is how they want you to feel in that part of the game. But it's almost too effective to the point where I'm like, it's a video game at a certain point. Let me do something, please. Yeah. Let me yeah. open, you know, I remember like I finally got off that island and you get on a boat after like you could spend upwards of like tens of hours on just that opening island, which again is a strength of the game, the strength of how much content is there. You finally get 
get to the boat and they're like, oh, the boat can talk and it won't move until you tell it the right things. I'm like, just let me go. It's been so long. I don't care if the boat needs to hear. I need to talk to a boat and add another X hours. So I'm like, oh my God. Eventually I kind of moved on because I just found it to be draining. But that was my experience with it as well. Yeah. There was enough there that I really liked and I'm like, if they just ease up a little bit or like, you know, if they just like change a few things, this could be like my favorite game. You know, it's so close to being like completely up my alley and I don't mind them. Like this is the team Larian has dedicated themselves to to making games like this. I think you and I want things to be as accessible as possible, and I still want that with these games. But they're always going to be making like the hardcore of hardcore RPGs, and that's there's a place for that. Absolutely, I totally agree. Yeah, and I'm in that audience and having a hard time. So there's something like it kind of goes into um, you know when you're DMing a game. There's a general rule that like if you're running a game for people, you don't want it to feel impossible at the start. Like you really need to work with your players as much as you're giving them a challenge because otherwise it, they're not going to have fun you know yeah so anyway all that to say they're working in Baldur's Gate 3 which is an early access and I was like really curious to see how it is yeah, you've been talking about maybe picking up the early access version of this for like a long time like pretty yeah. much since it released which was like a couple months ago at this point yeah it, it was released in early access like at the end of 2020 so it's been like I guess six months or so yeah and they've said like they want it to be in early access for at least a year before it comes out so I would imagine that this game will probably come out like early 2022 if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. So I'll say this. I'm very excited to talk about this game. I think that when this game is done, it has the potential of being like a historic moment for RPGs. I think it's really good. It has a lot of the same issues I have with Divinity, but there's enough going on here that is like a little bit more up my alley that I'm more invested in it from Go. First of all, they've clearly, ironically, full circle now, they've taken some lessons from Bioware where there's a lot more character engagement and like more cinematic moments. So like whenever your character is posed with like a choice or something, you'll hear a narration that's in the voice you chose for your characters, sort of more of an internal monologue than the dedicated narrator of Divinity. So you'll see your character, you'll see all the dialogue choices, very Dragon Age in tone. And when you choose something, it will tell you what type of roll it is and you'll actually see the dice rolling and they'll give you the number you have to hit so like oh i find that is really cool because i think a lot of games early on tried to hide the D skeleton but the fact that this game is just showing that i actually think makes it more engaging yeah that was, that was one of the the pluses of disco elysium as well which like yes i, I would put in the same realm as these kinds of games oh yeah and i i think there's an influence there too because like as you'll be talking it will say like there are passive checks as well that you don't even elect It'll like perception check passed or failed and it will like tell you what you see like there was one moment where i was talking to like this kid you know who was kind of fancying himself to be a merchant and my perception check passed and it was like you've noticed someone has robbed you You know, so some moments like that. But um, I like the engagement of the character. And when you talk, there are a few companions you can recruit throughout. And like the dialogue with them and like the relationships you can have with them and how those develop feels very Dragon Age. Mm. That was in Divinity as well. But it was, you know, 
all text box and like the narrator was kind of doing the job of the dm where like he was telling you what was happening but you weren't seeing it so a lot of it had to be interpreted as if you were playing DD. yeah but this game is like showing you it you know cinematically which i think i don't know it just works for me it's, it's more ambitious in that way it's worth noting i have not played any Baldur's gate games so i can't comment on how this feels compared to like the early ones but i will say as someone who's played divinity it really feels like divinity 3 like it feels so much like they're kind of making a logical follow-up to that game and making it kind of bigger and more ambitious in some ways and i think too if you are familiar it's taking a lot of lore and mechanics straight from fifth edition so if you play D, you'll actually have a pretty like good foundation for oh, that's like good to know yeah yeah like all all the characters you know when you make your character you can choose from like a lot of classic D races i'm a drow rogue because I thought they were cool. Uh, and I'm like, hey, if I'm playing this game, I'm going to go all out D&D. I'm a drow rogue, man. You yeah. can't stop me. But, uh, you know, there's classic like half-elf, halfling, all the classes. Um, there are some races, too, that haven't been as heavily featured in D&D until now. So that's kind of cool. And... Uh, the five companions that can join your party all have like a distinct role. So there's like a cleric, there's a rogue, you know, all that stuff. Um, I really like the companions so far. That was something that kept me going in Divinity as well. Like I love the Red Prince who was a snobby lizard man. Yeah. The weird skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of really great characters here. Like everyone is mean, but like in a fun way, (laughs) like no, no one is like, because I think the way the story begins I'm trying to focus my thoughts. The way the story begins, which is another reason why I think it's like immediately more engaging than Divinity was, is you're you're held captive on a Mind Flayer ship. So it's like this really okay. cool, like yeah. scary, it almost feels like a spaceship, but it's like, you know, dimensional travel rather yeah. than space. And they're putting these weird tadpoles in people's eyes oh, that okay. like goes into their head. Cool, cool, and cool, that cool. will basically... Over time, if you have that tadpole in your head, which you get one in your head, don't worry, uh, you will slowly become a mind flayer yourself. Oh, hell yeah. So that's the inciting event. It's terrifying. It's so scary. And then immediately the ship is now under attack by dragons and like devil men so you're like okay there's a there's a battle going on between actual devils and mind flayers i want to get the fuck out of here and you know you go and you meet a couple other people who are trying to escape and eventually that ship crashes and similar to divinity you're then like kind of stranded on a beach um in which you find the other survivors um, the first two are very fun. The first one you encounter, I won't spoil too much of this because I think it's best to be discovered, but you meet a cleric named Shadowheart who's just like, I really like her because she plays so realistically to how someone would who has just gone through that scenario. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, why the hell are you doing side quests? We have a tadpole on our heads that will turn us into a mind flayer. Like, we need to find a healer and that's that. Like, she like has morals, but she's like very much like, please just can we get this taken care of? Yeah. And then you meet a guy who's like literally actually actually a vampire with visible fangs but never says it outright and no one <laughs> seems to notice which just makes me laugh like he literally has fangs whenever you're around blood he gets nervous and i'm like he, so he's a vampire right can someone just acknowledge oh my god this guy is a vampire and he hates when i help people i've noticed that like Shadowheart, who's the cleric she and i get along really well and i'm kind of playing as like sort of neutral like i i'm I always 
always end up being more good than I want to in RPGs because I always like want to help people, you know, like yeah. a, a game that has this level of writing and this level of like attention to character. I never want to be like an agent of destruction. I'm like, I'll help. Right. Because you're going to feel actual anxiety if, yeah. you, if you pick the bad option. Yeah, I know what you mean. And of course, my vampire friend hates whenever I help people. So whenever I talk to him, he goes, you're staring at me again. I'm like, yeah, dude, you've got fangs. Um, and uh, But what's nice is like, so it plays a lot like Divinity. It has the, the sort of like almost Diablo-esque kind of click to move around. Um, the UI is a little bit messy, but again, like if you highlight things, it tells you what they do and they're all sort of D&D actions. And it lists like, here are your bonus actions that you can take like freely every turn. Here are like your spells. Mm-hmm. So I find that that's all good. I think just the dialogue and like the passive checks and active checks are really engaging and the characters are really fun. There's another character you meet named Will, who's like seemingly the first character you meet who's like, okay, he's the good one. But then you see he's a warlock, which like, you don't need to know much to know that warlocks have magic because they've made a pact with the demon. So I'm like, <laughs> there's something this guy isn't telling us that I'm very excited to see. Yeah. And he fancies himself a hero. And I asked him like, so how'd you get so powerful? He's like, yeah, I'll tell you that later. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh my okay. God, Will. <laughs> so I love, I, the cast is a lot of fun in a way that I think is very Dragon Age where it's like your reason for being together is that you all have a tadpole in your head and you want to get rid of it. So like the allegiances and who gets along and who doesn't are very like malleable. Yeah. Whereas in Mass Effect, like they're all your friends. You know, you can lose some people in, in big moments, but like you love everyone and they're with you. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think there's room for a kind of more morally ambiguous like, okay, here's the inciting event. Like, because I think in any game of D&D, there's always the why are we together thing? Like, why are, why are these characters adventuring together? And this game just takes care of that right away. So I love the intro yeah it sounds a little bit like dragon quest 8 in a weird way i mean maybe that's just because i've been playing a shitload of dragon quest 8 but like <laughs> in terms in terms of all the characters that join your party in dragon quest 8 like it is all just people who like they were like uh infamous in their town for being kind of shitty you know like that's yeah. that's kind of the vibe it's as if like you took uh the cast of it's always sunny in philadelphia and like turned them into like classic rpg heroes in a way yeah um they just kind of like amble through the world accidentally helping people even though they're like kind of shitty so what's interesting about this game because i think it has similar frustrations to divinity with me where i'm like the journal is much better that was one of my one of my big pain points of divinity so the journal was like an actual journal and not a guide well, i'm like <laughs> Where do I go? Yeah, this is yeah, like, okay, yeah. here are your quests. Here's how far you've gone. It's still kind of hard to find things, but I find that like, like D&D, this is not a game where you want to just go everywhere and do everything. There'll be consequences to like, you know, how you're adventuring. So you actually have to think like, okay, we actually don't have time for that. Let's just head to the objective or like, let's mm-hmm. set up camp. You can set up camp at any time, which is really fun. And that's sort of like your Bioware hub to talk to everybody and a dialogue will progress. Oh, great. There's a really cool scene that I will not spoil at the camp, but like there's like a jaw dropping moment in this game that I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Like I really think this game is like still in maybe the like a little bit inaccessible sphere of divinity, but I think that there's a little bit more appeal with how cinematic it is. And I also think D and D is more popular now that like this could have more of a reach than it would, you know, in years prior. Yeah, totally. And I just think that like, it's really, it's really just intriguing and engaging. I will say this, if, if this is like raising your curiosity, and you want to check it out in early access i do have steam open yeah (laughs) um it is still in a pretty rough place mechanically like the game is still very much in development Mm. larian is very open like when you open the game they're like hey this is very much still early access like if you want to check it out that's cool you're in for a bumpy ride i have 
play the game for five hours because what's working for me, I'm having so much fun with. But it is buggy to the point of like, I have to play around things. I know it will break the game. For example, whenever I switch characters, for some reason, I can't move beyond where I can see on the map unless I like bring up the dialogue again. So whenever I switch characters, I have to make sure they're close enough that I can talk to someone and then I can move. So like weird. If you're if you're comfortable with like really like working around like game breaking bugs that like you can also share feedback directly with Larian to like help them in the development process like. I wanted to do that because I thought that would be like a fun experience. But like my general recommendation is like this is not like a Hades scenario where like it was like playable for a long time in early access. This is still very much in need of work. That being said, the game that is here, I'm like so excited for and I'm already enjoying that like once it's a finished product. I think it's going to be a big deal. Like yeah. I can really feel it. I remember hearing a lot about it when it first launched in early access and and the general consensus was like very similar was like this is really really incredible the thing that was bumming people out was like you couldn't carry over your progress if they like updated the game or like added something new or whatever it was like you had to start over literally every single time so it wasn't it wasn't like a bummer as much as it was like oh i started playing this and i realized how good it was and it's so good that i actually want to put it down and wait until it's done so i can like actually play through it all the way yeah which is kind of my kind of my back and forth on it is like i this kind of game i know is like not always in my wheelhouse it's not always the thing that i'm gonna like seek out and and play like i will always try this kind of game like divinity original sin 2 and disco elysium and like whatever it's the kind of game that like i really want to love i really want to be like all in on but weirdly enough it being an early access and like not being able to play all of it or like having some issues like that actually makes me think that it'll be the perfect amount of time for me to put into it you know like yeah, I'll play it for like a couple hours and like get really what I want out of it. And then they'll erase my save. It'll be like, cool. That was my time with Baldur's Gate 3 until it's out. That's actually maybe perfect for me, which is yeah. why I have Steam open. <laughs> I will say this, too. So there's a moment early on where like you're about to go to a town that's full of friendly devil people, which I kind of like. Oh, They're yeah. All these like friendly tieflings. I love tieflings. I'll put that out there. <laughs> and uh, you can play as a tiefling, too. But I went with drow because, you know, I want to be edgy, man. Yeah, anyway, of course. Devil's too obvious. I want to be a gray elf. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's a town that's being under attack by a horde of goblins. And... This moment, I think, is the perfect balance of difficulty. So I couldn't see if there's a difficulty mode for the early access yet. I imagine there will be for the full game because there was for Divinity. Right. Uh, But in this battle, the first time it happened, I just sort of marched in and everyone got killed. Then I realized the next time, like, wait a minute, there's a mountain right next to me. What if I had my whole team climb the mountain and just sort of like use range attacks down on the enemy while they're fighting all the guards? That worked way better, but a bugbear caught on to my plan and climbed the mountain to flank me. Then I just tried to do a bonus action, which was shove. Like, what if I just shoved the bugbear off the mountain? And I did. It was like a 40% chance to succeed, but I just pushed the bugbear off the mountain. They fell and were knocked prone. And like, that stuff is so much like what you want from a D&D battle. Like, yeah, trying things absolutely. and seeing how they go. And also like, my recommendation for both Divinity and for Baldur's Gate is like, choose abilities that sound meaningless, but are very specific. <laughs> I guarantee they will make your playthrough great. Yeah, I my time with Divinity Original Sin 2 was I never left the island because I made a character who could talk to ghosts and animals, which meant that I was talking yes. to animal ghosts mainly. <laughs> Me too. And that, yeah. honestly, that seems like a requirement. 
environment. Like it's, they put so much work into the ghost animal conversations that like, <laughs> I'm amazed that like people didn't get that in a normal playthrough, yeah. you know? Oh my God. There was like a mouse who thought he was like the God of the universe or something. I might've yes. made that up, yeah, but there was yeah. something like that. It was a squirrel. Yeah. It was, it was a squirrel who like worshiped an acorn. Yeah. But there the other times like you'll talk to a dog and like you try to ask the dog where the keys are and the dog's like, what are keys? Like, of course the dog wouldn't know what keys are. <laughs> what am I thinking? So that fight I thought was a really great kind of teaching moment where it's like, okay, if I pay attention to the map, I can actually get the upper hand here. But I'm in a fight now where like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm so outmatched and that I've seen that complain a lot, even from like diehard divinity fans that this game is like a little bit too hard or at least like too unforgiving. That's, I think that's the better term to use for this where it's like, I don't know what I could have done to prepare for this better. Cause like mm. every fight up until now has been like pretty okay. And the encounter I'm in, I I've even loaded my save like before the fight to see if I can get out of it somehow. And I can't. So I'm just like, oof, maybe that's it for this run. Maybe I start again and try over. Yeah. I will say this. If you're going to play an early access and even if you're not save often, like save constantly, cause you'll probably have to load a previous save if your game like crashes or whatever. Yeah. Like just know that and, and you'll have a good time. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for when this game comes out. Um, I think it's going to be a really big deal. Baldur's gate three, Baldur's gate three. Very excited. Yeah. Oh man. That sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would like it a lot because I think you liked if you liked Dragon Age Origins I think you will like this game yeah I did like Dragon um, Age Origins that was a good yeah. game uh, that was all a right. good time <laughs> Um, what's fun too is like uh, oh my god it just the game itself is a good DM you know there's a moment where um, a small taste of what's to come where like you actually encounter a tadpole just like out in the wilderness one of the like Lovecraft tadpoles and it's like okay stomp this thing and it was like, you go to stomp it, but suddenly you feel compassion. Why kill something that's so cute? And you can tell it's like trying to affect your brain. Yeah. And then, and then like, what I like too is that <laughs> they often will give you like, okay, different roles to get out of a situation. So like, um, you can kind of roll on your stronger stats if you want, if that's available to you. Like it's like strength or wisdom or whatever. The visible roles is such a, f I can see that catching on for games like this because it's such a fun way to do it, you know? Yeah. Like seeing like, okay, I got to beat a nine and you know rolling the dice and and what's cool too is in battle you know fighting has this sort of like uh isometric diablo view but whenever anyone gets a critical hit it zooms in on them like in full cinema and they do the move it's very it's very fun kind of like skyrimy yeah a little bit a little like the kill moves yeah, yeah it's like yeah. that i'm having a great time with it and uh i wish this fight that i'm stuck in was easier but otherwise it's fun <laughs> can't wait for the finished game yeah i um oh man I might, I might wait i might wait a little longer for this game to be closer to being done because i as much as i can deal with like you know losing my progress because of an update or something what i i don't think i'd be able to work around the bugs that you were talking about before like i, I think that that stuff would actually hinder my enjoyment of it yeah it's a lot and i think it, it it um i'm at a point where i'm like okay i might i might just put it down or i might start another character and just see like if i can get like a different experience now yeah, knowing a how little different bit more. it can be and things like that yeah but uh yeah it's a good time. I, I again, I think like because they said they wanted to be at least a year, and based on how it feels in early access, I would say like the earliest it would come out is like end of this year. But I would, I, it just feels like a March twenty twenty two release. I don't know why, but that's like my <laughs> that's like my guess. Yeah. Oh man, that would put it up against a bunch of shit. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like everything that was supposed to come out this year got pushed to <laughs> March of 2022. It's so weird because it feels so ready in a lot of other moments. And I think it's only the first chapter is there. So like 
but uh, that means yeah. it's 20 hours of gameplay like there's 20 hours of content that's just in the first chapter yeah. so i think you'll probably need more time but um like the the characters and the writing feel really good mm. so far i wonder so. if this will also come out like cross-platform like divinity did that'd be interesting yeah i think it will probably come out for systems i imagine like it feels like they're just making it bigger so i imagine they would want more people to play it yeah I will say, having played Divinity on Switch, I actually, I wish that I was playing it on PC uh, or Mac. Yeah. Like that, that it just, as I was playing it, felt that way. And that's why I was kind of more into getting Disco Elysium on Mac than I was on, you know, the, the definitive edition or whatever it was for consoles. So I, I think if I was to play this, I would probably do it that way. That, that, that just remind me, the day that this episode comes out, I think is potentially maybe the day that they're announcing the new Switch, which is wild. Like all of the rumors oh are God. pointing to that. So I, I'll be interested to see uh, if you're listening to this episode, the day that the switch got announced uh i guess like tweet at us or let us know i'm very curious i'm curious to uh to see if that ends up happening but i just feel like um this game on like a bigger screen you know with like touch controls and stuff like that would be really cool that'd be very oh, interesting yeah that'd be awesome that'd be really fun we'll see what happens yeah it has also made me want to go back to divinity as well i'm like okay if this is like the unfinished that's one that's honestly yeah. like i i closed steam uh, now <laughs> over the course of this conversation <laughs> I opened it updated steam and then closed it again and my, my new thought is maybe I'll redownload divinity and give that another shot and see how I feel about it I might make a new character and just sort of play around in that world yeah but yeah cool that's all um, I got you want to uh, you want to move on to the wrap-up yeah yeah I think we had something to bring up before we wrap up right Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an update for the Patreon. On the day that this episode comes out, we should have posted just an outline of our new plan for the Patreon. We've talked about this on the show, but we just sort of wanted it in writing on the Patreon as well. Also, another huge shout out. We've received like another wave of financial support on the Patreon. Like, thank you all so much for that. We're we're honestly upon at the time of recording this, we are less than a hundred dollars away from like covering editing costs, basically, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's um, really cool. So yeah, that that was like our first goal was like, okay, let's make sure like we're at least just like breaking even and we're like close to that. So anything else is like just gonna help us grow more and more. So thank you all for your generosity. Yeah, for real. Uh yeah, if you if you want more info on that, you can go to the Patreon and read that post. Uh it's patreon.com slash into the cast. The link is in the show notes and stuff. So you can go check that out. Yeah. And I think we'll more officially announce what the uh, right now the plan for the patron only episode in june is to do like a e3 summer games fest wrap up of like all the big announcements yeah because our our plan uh, like truthfully our plan was to not talk about that like on the show show initially like we had other plans for what we wanted to do in june already so yeah i mean that, that it was it just made sense like if we were gonna talk about it at all that it would be that episode um but i I don't even know if like future patron bonus episodes will be about video games like we'll see (laughs) (laughs) i think it'll be different every month you know i think we'll just sort of try out stuff and and always open for feedback with that you know the drill into the cast that online is our hub for everything all the platforms our show is on all our social media links if you like the show the best way to help it grow is to share with a friend another huge thanks to our patrons please don't back the show if it puts you in financial strain otherwise you're helping us grow so thank you uh you can review us on apple Podcasts. you can send us an email if you want um everything's on into the castle online so uh that's basically it right yeah i think the next episode we might record in person which is wild yeah i'm going to jersey i'm yeah. gonna have pizza 
it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm really I, excited. I can't wait to see if that happens. I think we might be talking about Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. I've been playing a lot of that. We were actually going to talk about that today, but I thought I'd save it for next week. Yeah, we put it off to, to next week because I, I want to play a lot more of it. I, I've put some time into it. Definitely feels like a PS2 game, uh, but I am enjoying what I've played so far. I have more to say about that, yeah. but uh, I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I don't know what else is going to come up next week, but uh, I guess we'll find out. It'll be fun. Yeah, I, I have some stuff that I picked up a few weeks ago that I haven't played yet. So honestly, Steven, it's possible that we might be talking about like the new Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild <laughs> 2 or something, you know? Um, so so the, just to like get this out, just in case like it, it did happen. The rumor from Bloomberg is like the new Nintendo Switch is coming and Nintendo specifically wants to announce it before E3 because publishers and developers want to announce that their games are supporting the new thing at launch, um, which makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, yeah. and, and Nintendo has a history of announcing hardware like this in like kind of shadow drop like not actual like publicized nintendo directs but just like a tweet with a video and a youtube video um so it it makes sense it tracks especially for like an incremental upgrade like this you know like 3ds to new 3ds kind of thing so so is the rumor breath of the wild 2 alongside the new switch potentially or that'll be like the big e3 thing mm, um because yeah. they're gonna do like the big e3 nintendo direct you know i also think we we kind of guessed this a while ago but i imagine splatoon 3 will be like one of yeah, the yeah man as soon as so that good. first trailer for splatoon 3 <laughs> happened it was like that's not running on the switch <laughs> that's a that's a switch pro that doesn't look like beast wars that's not on a switch <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm amped to see whatever that's going to be. Uh, you, you, you were joking in our group chat, uh, with AJ that you're going to buy a new switch before you buy a PS five, which I think is probably true. Yeah. I, I keep, I keep saying and planning on getting a PS five. I mean, it's hard to get. And also like, I don't see a need to yet. It's like final fantasy is maybe yeah, the final one. fantasy, uh, guilty gear strive, but I can get that on PS four. That's the thing. If I can get the new Horizon Zero Dawn on PS4, like what is, what is going on with the PS5? You yeah, know? yeah, I don't know. It's like just Returnal. Anyway. <laughs> and Bug Snacks. And Bug Snacks, yeah. Return for more snacks. Yeah, anyway. let's wrap up. <laughs> let's wrap up. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for, for everything. Um, we'll we'll Thank talk to you, you soon. See you later. So long. So long. Garbage. The online.